This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I'm joined as always by the chief engineer, Brandon Shea-Matala. How's it going, Brandon? Your inquiry was not recognized. Uh-oh. Uh, I, I need to talk to someone real here, not just a recording or something. Like, I need to talk to somebody real. You know, like, is there anybody real back there? Please place your payment on the transporter beam over there in large sums of <laughs> Canadian dollars. Uh-oh. Canadian? Oh, man, now you're going to get me on the exchange rate. No, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. I will also accept American dollars. <laughs> very good. You're very accommodating, computer. Very good. Yes. So, yeah, boomers, given that hint, you should be, you should kind of guess that maybe for this episode, we're going to be talking a little dead stop. Season two dead stop. So, Brandon, are you, uh, are you looking forward to dead stop here? This is a great episode. I love this episode. Oh yeah, man. I I really I really like it. Uh, Brandon actually conducted a poll in the Babel Conference uh, Trek FM listeners group on Facebook a couple of months ago, and Dead Stop came in second to Carbon Creek. And we did the Carbon Creek. Uh, we did that's commentary on Warp Five One Ten. So we thought we'd just take the results from that and. Throw Dead Stop in there. Although Dead Stop was in first place for a while, right, De- right, Brandon? Yeah, I think it was. You know, every time you say Carbon Creek, I like pause because I think Broken Bow. I'm like, wait a minute, no, Broken Bow, <laughs> Carbon Creek, that was the first episode. Wait, no, that's Broken Bow. Oh, never mind. Right. So Dead Stop was actually in first, though, for a little bit on the poll? Yeah, I think it was. Very good. Very Yeah, I love. I really like Dead Stop. I liked it right away. It just brings up imagination of like what is out there. Space is a really big thing, you know, and they there's just unknown things out there. And and also, I kind of like to imagine, or I did imagine when I watched the original Star Trek with Kirk and Spock, that there was stuff like this going on, you know, that we might not see. This might be like something that happens in between kind of thing. So basically, Dead Stop is actually a direct continuation from Minefield. 
as it's placed four days, or it says a little, little, almost four days, or a little over four days, something like that. And it, the crews are actually dealing with the aftermath of that incident. So for me, I was going to watch Dead Stop a couple of weeks ago just to kind of refresh myself on this, just to get ready for this episode. But I really couldn't just watch Dead Stop without watching Minefield first. So for me, these two episodes are kind of like a little mini movie. Like I, I watched them back to back. And they're just a perfect continuation, almost like with a commercial break in between. So what do you think about that, Brandon? Uh, I agree. I mean, it definitely is a continuation, but they are very different, you know, different tones and different shows, you know. But, uh, you know, it starts right off and they're they're repairing the damage from the Romulan minefield, right? Right. Yeah. And that's I I really like this episode. I like minefield and dead stop together on this. So. As with our other commentaries, uh, boomers, you can watch along or you can just listen along in your car as I do. Uh, What I usually do is is I see that there's a commentary track in my podcatcher. I'll hold off on listening to the podcast. I'll watch the episode if it's been a while since I've seen it. And then I listen along in the car the next day. So it's it's kind of... I watch it and then I can actually kind of watch it again in the car or that's how I feel it is. I get to watch it again in the car as we're talking along. So Brandon, how do you watch the commentary tracks? I just listen to them at my desk at work myself. Most of the shows on the network do a pretty good job of, of making it so that you don't really need to be following along live with the show. And that's our, that's our intention as well is to try and have enough discussion for you guys that you don't have to, you know, sit there through long pauses and stuff like that. Cause it's boring. Very good. Very good. So yes, just as all other commentaries that we've done, we'll do the countdown. We'll do three, two, one play. And when I say play, that's when everyone clicks play and that gets everyone on the right track. And I think we're ready to go. What do you think, Brandon? Let's do this. All right. I've got Hopefully a king in my, my back that I need this space station to fix. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And a, a creak in the floor and a hole in your leg, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's always tricky when you're starting this because I'm actually watching this uh, on a Blu-ray. And it's kind of it's it's always kind of tricky. Like, how are you watching? You're you're watching it on your computer, right, Brandon? I am. Yeah. So it's kind of tricky. Like if some people are watching on Netflix or if they're watching on Blu-ray for it, when you actually hit play, if it actually starts in sync, it's kind of a tricky little deal. But so I'm always kind of crossing my fingers at this point. All right, folks, let's go ahead and watch dead stop and see what happens. All right. So let's do the countdown. Three, two, one, play. Captain Starlong. We got a shot of the NX-01. Got the worker bee pulling up alongside. Oof. Bad, bad hole in the room. You called it a worker bee. I've never heard that term before. Isn't that, that's what they called it in um, the motion picture, right? They called it? it a worker bee? I think so. Somehow I've, no, I've heard that. It looks like the, it's the same inspection pod. I guess that's what they called it in Broken Bow. Okay. So this is kind of, this reminds me of Broken Bow also. Yeah. Is worker be a Star Wars term, maybe? I don't know. I'm not sure. I've never heard, I don't think I've ever heard it before myself at all. Okay. Maybe I just made it up. Yeah, so I watched this this morning. Um, I didn't sleep very well last night, so I watched it like really early. But it looks really good. Like I have the Blu-ray, and that's how I watched it this morning. But, you know, the image quality on Season 2 is really good, I think. Oh, man, yes. The high def is amazing. 
So Tripp's talking about, okay, we can barely move and our phones are dead. And it's going to take 10 years to get to Jupiter Station. You know what's interesting about this is I think that, you know, we haven't had many situations where our hero ship has been signaling a distress call. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they signaled a distress call in Disaster in the next generation. But honestly, I couldn't think of another time uh, when the hero ship would have signaled a uh, distress call because I don't think they did in D Space Nine at the start of Season 6 when the Defiant was broken because they were deep in the Dominion territory, right? So I don't think they signaled a distress call then. But anyways, I couldn't think of many if there is many. So listeners, if you can... Mention in the Babel conference. Tell us if you can think of any other episodes where our hero ship may have had to uh, send off a distress call. That is true. I mean, that also kind of lends to Enterprise being on the frontier, you know, the nitty gritty frontier out there. You know, I mean, it, it, things are really rough. It's like, you know, this is the first time that humans have been out there and they're going to run into problems and they have. And, you know, when you think about it, Kirk never had this problem, you know, and then later, even then, like Cisco was always kind of in the neighborhood. I mean, he would get caught in the gamma quadrant some sometimes, but it was like here, they're really out there by themselves. Right. Right. And, you know, as far as he, other humans go. And then did, uh, Archer right then mis- mentioned to tell Hoshi to set up a, sick, a distress call, but don't give too many details, as opposed to season one, when we would have given them a laundry list of everything that was wrong with the ship in our distress call, right? <laughs> yes. But uh, well, they're a little more cautious now, too, right? Especially after the Romulan minefield, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. We've got a hole in our side here. We don't want people to come up here. Push, Lieutenant. Two more seconds. Okay. You know what this reminds me of right here? This is reminds me of the scene between Kirk and McCoy when Kirk is upside down and he's doing the, the leg thing up on the wall. And he's saying, you're killing me, you're killing me, Bones. And he's like, you know, just two more minutes, 30 more seconds or something like that. That's what that reminds me of right there. Nice bottle episode. No guest stars in this episode at all. They, they did, Like, right. Roxanne Dawson doesn't get a credit for her voice, but, you know, she directed, you know, Roxanne Dawson from Star Trek Voyager... Belana Torres directed this and was the uh, creepy voice of that creepy computer that we're about to meet. Right. She's gone on to do a lot of directing. Like, I watch Bates Motel, and she's done a lot of uh, directing for Bates Motel. This is a great shot. I love that angle, that low angle there with the Porthos up close. Yes. Yes. See, I, I, I want to say that Roxanne Dawson got her start directing in, when she was directing Enterprise. I, just, I don't know I if she directed say, Voyager or not. I want to say that this was where she got her start. There she is, directed by Roxanne Dawson. She did a great job, though, in all the episodes that she was a director. She did an amazing job. Do you know what, uh, Do you know how she used to be listed on uh, on Voyager, her actor name? We need help in repairing some Roxanne Biggs Dawson? Oh. Huh. So that's her, her married name. Do you know who the Biggs was? Was it Casey? Yeah. Really? Yeah. She used to be wow. married to uh, wow. Damar. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. I just found that out recently myself. Sounded like he said That's really cool. So we got our first mention of the Tellarites? Yep. 
which is pretty cool. We don't get to see him. Yeah, it's too bad. I'm glad they saved it up though for the end though, because they looked so good. I've I've said it a million times on the network. I just love how the Tellerites look. But uh, it's a nice little reference to just drop in there, right? Aye, sir. Oh, definitely. We don't hear them, or we we can barely hear them. We don't see them. We'll save that for later. Okay, does that not look like Anakin's pod racer? Yeah, it does look like a pod racer. <laughs> We're pulling up on this on this thing, and it's like way smaller than our ship. No, Anakin Skywalker. I love this. I love this. They're pulling up to a gas station in the middle of space on the side of the space highway. You know? Yeah. This is this is like a truck stop. Now, we didn't mention, but this is also written by uh, our friends of the show, Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong, who've done lots of wonderful episodes, and we've done some interviews with here on Warp 5, so make sure you go back and listen to those. Yep. And on the Blu-rays, they actually have their own commentary track also. Have you listened to it? I honestly have not. I was When I put the Blu-ray in while I go to play it, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have watched it with their commentaries. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Mm, a little bit cold, but they get brightly scanned here. The temperature was like negative 270. Kind of, you know, makes me think of what Canada's like in the winter. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. I'd be right at home in that ship. Right. Just, you know, climb up in there with my Tim Hortons and I'll be fine. Right. So one side reconfigures itself to fit the ship. That's pretty amazing. And Trip tells us that in case we can't see it. Still no response to our hands. Liquid helium. So Christopher L. Bennett picked up this storyline in the post-finale novels, the Rise of the Federation novels. So, you know, if you if you like this episode, you can check it out uh, and see where it goes if you pick up the books, which are very good. And Christopher L. Bennett is so detailed. Like, that guy can pick up crazy plot threads and... You know, the little names that he'll put into the shows or into the books, like these one-off characters, these little things, like, oh, it's crazy. It's awesome. That was actually, there was a Warp 5, an early Warp 5, where Christopher Jones was the host, and they had mentioning, like, what could be movie ideas for Warp 5, and that, that was something that I had mentioned on the Facebook yeah. post for it was, who are these people? You know, and, this, and then what became of this station? Mm-hmm. And why was it even there? So yeah, I've heard that it's actually continued in the those in Christopher L. Bennett's books. Notice the lights here, the light trail as they're walking and showing them to keep walking this direction. Yeah, I was gonna say, so even without any language yet, right? They know right. any logical person can figure out where they've gotta go. But of course, they stepped right onto Princess Leia's ship, you know, from a new <laughs> hope. So watch out what's behind this door. Darth Vader. <laughs> That's what I think of when I see this. Is uh, it's Chris, it's Princess Leia's ship. Now I had read somewhere that this thing in the middle here was uh, one of the intelligent aliens on a Voyager episode called Think Tank. Very good, very good. You know what I think of when I look at this right here, this scene when they're looking down at it. Yeah. It reminds me of the Romulan bridge from the original from the original series. Yeah. But what I meant you know, is this thing here. You see the the brownish yes. thing that's blinking? Yes. Yeah, that was like the prop that was this artificial life form. I thought it looked so so familiar. So I'm looking at that. It looks like it could be a. It looks like it could be a, a, a 
a cloaking device from the original series. <laughs> it looks like it could be the Romulan the Romulan bridge with all the you know they stood around the the post in the middle. The ship wasn't the only thing. Trip gets called out for not fixing the uh, the dent that he put in the ship when oh. they were inspecting it. Lazy space engineers. Dock. Lazy yeah, engineers. No. He said he was going to get around to it. You know. The technology to repair Mr. Reed as well. So this is just amazing right here when it says the facility may have the the technology to repair Reed. That, of course, that engages Flox now. Yep. You know, because you know Flox is going to be excited about that. Your inquiry was not recognized. Her voice is so perfect for it, and the tone how it's just monotone. You know, it's just so creepy. Even watching it again, because I didn't notice that it was Roxanne Dawson's voice the first or 15 times that I've seen this. But then after it was said to me it was her, I listened for her now, and I didn't catch it at first. And I had to remind myself, oh yeah, this is Roxanne Dawson's voice. And then I could kind of catch it just a little bit. She did a great job, though, on this. You think she gets paid twice to direct it and then to... You know, use her voice. I would assume she... Well, uh, I don't know. If she's not credited, we'd have to ask Mike Schindler. He can, he's kind of got... He kind of he can sort that stuff out for us. I think if she's not actually credited in the in the credits, though, I don't think she gets paid for the voice <laughs> part. Would take three months. It's a fair exchange. I love it right here. And Select a method of compensation. Trip lays it out for him. It'd take him three months. It's going to take this, this, these people like 40 hours or something. Or 30 hours, however long they said. Archer's like, you know, too good to be true kind of a thing. Oh, man. That's awesome. They give the itinerary for... Uh, What's actually going to be like, in what order? The repair. Thirty-four hours. That's so quick, you know, or whatever it was. What's I can't hear what the number is right now, but uh, you know, that's that's pretty rapid. Like if they're going to take three months, and this is just going to take like just a little bit of time. And some of the technology is so weird. Like it's not like a regular replicator, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like that one scene we'll come across, and I'll point it out when we do. But an arm is moving, and as it's moving, it like builds a bulkhead, like an internal bulkhead, and it just pushes it into place yes. as it's moving. So it's more than just a regular replicator, right? Well, I mean, that's also it's so efficient because, like you said, it's got so many arms, and it's so it's just that's why it's, it's only going to take that long. It, I mean, if they put a hundred arms out there and they're all replicating these things and they're moving that fast, it doesn't have to sleep. So it doesn't constantly. It's just, it's just awesome. So and then it disintegrates the, the parts that are on the floor. You might want to ask for our plasma back. Oh, right. It cleans up after itself. Right, right. I think Tripp was expecting pool tables and pinball machines. Well, even when me. Said recreation area. Yeah, recreation room. I think of what you see in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, right? That big room. <laughs> right, right. This could be fun, though. I could just sit there and play all day, right? With the uh, the replicator table. Is this our first reference of pan-fried catfish? Honestly, I don't know. I honestly, Probably not. I don't. 
I don't think so. I think I think that's just a thing that we already know about him. It's a weirdly shaped cup. Yeah. I saw a similar device in a Tarkalian vessel. It was capable Archer of and Tripp's facial expressions here when Paul's drinking the water. See, even to Paul there, you know, like that, you know, Mike Sussman and Phil's stronger fans. Like, I, I saw this on a Tarkalian vessel. Like, we've heard of Tarkalian tea how many times throughout Star Trek, right? You know, just one of those references. We've never met the Tarkalians. We don't know what they look like, but it just brings it back. Just hearing these one little words, you know. I love his reaction. Pan fried catfish. He's just yeah. his arms. Just the way his arms drop. He's just like whoa. Yep. One pan fried catfish. And then it, all the fixins with the fixins, right? It knows what the fixins are. Well, not bad. <laughs> Archer. Well, have you ever had cat, catfish, pan fried catfish? Oh my gosh, yes! I grew up on eating southern food. I'm from the south, so oh yeah, I caught them and then I would clean them and then I would we had them, you know, for dinner. It was. Oh, yeah. See, we had a, I, I don't know what a catfish is, so like every time I hear it, like in, in northern Saskatchewan, we would eat uh, jackfish, also known as pike, northern pike. Pike. And we yeah, would pike, eat right. pickerel, which are also known as walleye, right? right Those are right. basically the fish that we would catch up there. But we also had these, see, there it is, it's vacuuming up the stuff and then just immediately. Yes. But we also had it, this fish that was um, a sucker fish. And it, like, uh-huh. sucks stuff off the bottom. And so for some reason, whenever I hear catfish, I always think of the sucker fish. And they, people would always say, you don't want to eat sucker fish because it's a bottom feeder and it's eating all the garbage, so it doesn't taste very good. So that's just what I assume a catfish is. But so catfish tastes good? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, they taste good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just had catfish this weekend. You know, catfish and shrimp. Yeah, fried catfish and shrimp this weekend. So um, basically... You know, the catfish does hang around on the bottom, but it is a predator. Okay. You know, it's it it takes its time and it uh it attacks. Another fish that we eat here in the south is bass. And the scar is gone. So okay. you can catch catfish all day and then cat or catch bass all day and catfish all night. Yeah. That's how that's how people do it here. I like bass in my car, you know, I turn up the volume really loud and then my subwoofers <laughs> go. Right. So this is just amazing when it shows it heals, it heals do, uh, almost a Dominic. <laughs> it heals Reed, and then it just disappears. When it's done, it just disappears. Okay, we'll stand up. He stands up. It's perfect. Starting to wonder if we had a. Yep, Flox is going to want to trade an animal for that machine. He likes his animals, but he'll trade one for that machine. I bet. Had we, we haven't heard about this squeak in the floor before. This is the first time we've heard of the squeak, right? This episode. I believe so. I believe so. How the repairs are going? He says they're exceeding Starfleet specifications. Good to hear. Listeners, let us know if you have. Uh, if you've heard him talk about the squeak in the floor before. It's hard to remember those little things, you know. So, what do you think of his paranoia at this point? Like, we know how the episode ends, but at this point, do you think he's? deservedly needs to be paranoid about this or what do you think i think archer's been burned by a used car salesman or something somewhere along the line here like he is too good to be true for some reason and his psyche thing there nothing there is no free lunch you know and thing there it can never be 
this good and this cheap. There's got to be something behind it. See, he's he's been burned. That's what I. That's why I play it in my head cannon. I've learned to trust my. Quite possible. Something doesn't smell right. And he's not even like super paranoid. Like season three, super paranoid yet either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like season four, he's really not gonna like it. Somebody else is having fish. Dessert. That'd be me. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. <laughs> Yes. Mayweather's over there uh, getting, look like maybe flirting a little bit. Some, a female crewman. Hoshi. I thought that was Hoshi. Oh, was it? Looked it didn't like Hoshi look like, to it me. It didn't look like Hoshi. He had a black ponytail. I don't know. I just I assumed it was Hoshi, I guess. I don't know. I know. You know what? I don't ship them. I know a lot of people like to ship them, but I actually kind of don't. I kind of see them as like a brother-sister relationship, like really friends, you know, and things like that, but I don't ever ship them. Well, sorry to burst your bubble, but he was just flirting with Oshi. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe they weren't flirting. They were, uh, he was giving her a hard time about somebody else, maybe, or something. I don't know. I like how Reed is... Well, that's that. We're here. This is the diagnostic room. I wonder how much that shot costs, like that huge CG oh. effect in the background there. No kidding. Probably wouldn't have and been it, cheap. <laughs> and it doesn't need, it doesn't actually have to be there. If we just had a wall, it would have been the same. Right. But that is a huge shot. It's yeah. practically the whole background. Which, I mean, I love it for that. But they could have had like portholes, you know, like where it's a little bitty tiny hole. Or a little tiny window. <sighs> Well, I guess that's that. Not necessarily. Well, I guess that's that. That's how Reed is, right? <laughs> He's kind of a rule by the rules kind of guy, so it makes sense that he wouldn't really think out that way to. Well, I wonder if we can circumnavigate these security systems somehow. You know, right. he's a by the book kind of guy. I would expect Reed to be exactly like that. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's that. We're not going to do it. You can't see it. And because he's security as well, he wouldn't want to be violating the security of another place, right? Yep. And Trip, being the uh, the bad boy that he is, pure pressures. Do you see that? That's just like a, a furnace filter. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's an air-conditioned filter. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I noticed that when they were walking down the hallway earlier when the lights were taking them down the hallway. It's like they got the air-conditioned filters. Which I guess they would need to have air-conditioned. They're the fil air filters, I guess. This futuristic-looking air filter is our uh, gateway into the nether regions of this ship. <laughs> right. See, now, I had a theory, okay? So they just broke in, and when I was watching the episode, I was watching for this, and now is when... Um, Travis is getting this artificial message, right? So I was thinking oh. in my head that maybe them going into there triggered this, but then I'm like, nah, because there's all these other bodies in there too, right, later on? Yeah. But at first so, I thought that this might have triggered it, and had they not done this, then maybe they could have just gotten away with paying the warp plasma. But I, I don't think that's right. I don't think that holds up. Right. Actually, I had not thought of that, that they get contacted at the same like that he gets contacted while they're there I hadn't really put that together Paul's reaction's great there yep if Archer had been sitting on the bridge they'd landed on his lap <laughs> <laughs> Captain, 
That would be hilarious. We didn't say it earlier, but uh, hello. Um, who's what's the actor's name that plays Travis here? Hello, Anthony Montgomery. Anthony Montgomery, man, that guy's built, hey? Yes. Yeah, he looked like he had just come from working out. That guy could <laughs> he whip always, my. He always does. <laughs> he could whip my butt just looking at me. Right. All these guys are built like that, though. When you finally get around to it, you could just have easily been transported out into You got to be. You got to be in really good shape to Your fly in a starship, apparently. To be an for the rest of the See how Archer's pacing right now, and he has to walk and not hit his head? Yeah. He has to know where the beams are. That's why I was talking about being my favorite moments when he wants to pace. He has to dodge beams. Like right there, he almost hit his head. And he had to duck, he had to duck just a little bit just to get over here so he can gripe at Reed. Now he's going to duck to get back over there to gripe at Trip. <laughs> I wonder how tall uh, Bakula is. Um, well, watch, see right here? See how they were shooting that right there? And Dom, uh, the Reed looked like he was the same height as Trip. But then when they step away, Reed yeah, is actually not as tall as Connor Turnier. And Bakula is taller than him, or at least that's the way it's being shot right there. Yeah. They always want to shoot the captain in a, in a position of that he's taller, I guess. Although I think Bakula, Scott Bakula is actually over six feet. I think he's, you know, I think he's average or above average. You think we're going to see him on Sergeant Discovery? Subcutaneous burns are consistent I with a nice shock. Think so. I don't. I kind of hope not. You hope not because, well, it doesn't really make sense, right? For the time, like, I mean, everybody's saying like McCoy lived to to make it to. To the first episode of TNG, but I don't know if he really should have. You know, like <laughs> yeah, he'd have to be—he'd have—he'd have to be like 150, 60 years old, something the hell like that. I mean, I guess Archer. Start tampering with the power systems. I don't get it. I don't know. Travis I don't know. I don't know if it lines up. Well, in uh, Star Trek 2009, well, Archer's Admiral Archer's pet beagle—they were talking about Scotty, you know, beaming yeah, and stuff, but, right? So. Yeah, and that was... I don't think that was a good reference. <laughs> I, don't I don't think that was a good reference. Well, I don't think it was Porthos. I think he just keeps getting beagles, right? But Right. I guess it could have been another Admiral Archer. <laughs> it was just coincidence that it happened to be the Archer that we know. I think they were purposely mentioning this Archer from Enterprise, right, but right. I don't think it was... I don't. I don't think that was a really good reference for it in that movie <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation so the first time you so watched this did you think that Travis was dead yes I thought we have just lost a a character like a main character for the show a member of my crew is dead we don't know what the happened. scene is so awesome because it's like just frustrating talking to the machine right yes Becula does a great job of it very solemn, very serious. Your inquiry is not recognized. Launch bay one. We think it happened while that section was Uh-oh. They're in trouble now. He's unbuttoning the button. <laughs> on the top, his top button. Season three knows what that's all about. This is, we're in trouble now. He's about to open up a can of Archer whoop-ass. Kind of yep. record of what happened. 
All personnel are required to vacate areas that are undergoing reconstruction. I need to talk to a person. I could see him unzipping the uh, unzipping his jumpsuit and tying his uh, sleeves around his waist and just you know, rolling up his sleeves, getting ready to whoop somebody. Man, he's about to step through a screen here. I wonder what the intention was. Like, what race would have built this if we would have seen another one of these in you know season five, six, or seven? If we'd gotten them, I wonder if we would have yeah. followed through. It could have been a way to study the species of this quadrant, you know, for invasion purposes. Oh yeah, I, mean, I haven't, I haven't read the books, but that's what I imagined when I was thinking of this being a movie plot. Cellular decay suggests that death occurred at approximately twenty-three hours. Preliminary. You see the serious, sad side of Flocks here. Actually, business-like, though. See, this is probably... Because we're about to get Hoshi coming in here in a minute. And uh, that's probably part of the reason, too, why people ship them, is because of this scene. Like, she's the only one who comes down here, and she's very sad about it. And I don't... Like like I've said, I don't really think that everybody needs to be having a relationship with somebody on every show that I watch, right? Right. I guess I still see this as her coming to see her brother. I, I just... Not like or little brother or big brother or just I don't know I just I don't see it as a that kind of relationship. I've mm-hmm. seen a body before, fifteen of them on that alien ship. It's different when it's someone you know personally. I just noticed that Flox's gloves are connected to his action, his apron. I think that was all one piece. I hadn't noticed that before. I think I just saw I saw a no seam from his glove to his sleeve. I was hoping it was another one of his practical jokes. Travis called me down to decon a few weeks ago. He said that he, he pulls practical jokes on her. Some kind of gelatinous life form aboard. He said it might be sentient. That the captain needed me to figure. I wish out we would have seen things like this, you know, like this type of interaction. I recently read no for literary treks. We did the first oh, Enterprise book, which is called. Uh, which is, I think it's called By the Book, which is the very first one. And there's two plot lines. There's this one adventure where they're going down and they're dealing with this planet that doesn't communicate the same way that we do. And this whole subplot, like there's a secondary story going on. It's a B story of all the crew playing like a Dungeons and Dragons type game, you know, and oh, wow. it's Crewman Cutler's in there and, uh, you know, May- uh, Mayweather's in there and they're Hoshi's in there and they're all playing this game and it's... And it's fun. It's neat. It's just, I wish we would have seen more of that interaction on the screen, even. You know, this interaction of him with the jello. Like, that would have been something fun to see on screen, I think. It's just something that's going on whilst before something else happens, you know? Right. Anything? They're playing that game, and then, oh no, there's an alert or something. They have to leave. You don't have to see that much of it. You just have to see that they were doing it. Yeah. We saw Flox is on the case. Can't get anything by Flox. Better watch out. Yeah, this is definitely one of the best episodes from season two for sure. Still not as good as uh, Future Tense. <laughs> yeah, but uh, man, this is this is good, and especially compared like. If you do it as a two-parter with mine, Minefield. You mentioned something about 
canceling breakfast. There's no instant reset. All of a sudden, the ship's back together. Yeah, that's they did that in season one as well with that whole Ryza thing where they were trying to get to Ryza at the end and they kept mentioning it was like 15 episodes are like, oh, we got delayed from Ryza again. You know, it wasn't quite <laughs> that finally much. Made <laughs> finally, finally made it. Finally made it. And it, it wasn't that awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hoshi thought it was awesome. Everybody else didn't think it was so awesome. So how do you buy do you buy the friendship between uh Trip and Reed? Because I think I what I've, what they were trying to do like yeah. in Shuttlepod 1, they were trying to set that relationship up like we kind I think like we had with Miles and Julian on DS9, right? And you know, right. now that you think about it, they got this, they've got, you know, uh two days and two nights like where they are trying to play up this friendship a bit. Do you what do you think? Do you think that they're buddies like I don't know. It, not really. I, I really don't. I kind of see it as like a, a friend of convenience kind of a thing. You know, I mean, there's not that many people on board. They're senior officers and they're similar ages. Yeah. So even like I think Trip makes Reed uncomfortable all the time because Trip is just going to do whatever he wants to do, whatever he wants to do to have fun. And I think Reed has to really step out of his shell in order just to hang with Trip. Yeah. And he kind of he kind of just does it because who else is he going to hang out with? That's how I mean that could be a very simplified you know a simplified version of it. This thing is neat that he's putting on the wrist there. It's like some type of a scanner. Yes, like an X-ray, like super subatomic X-ray thing, whatever that is. And you can see it up on the screen. And we see those spider things. They look like little spiders. They're all dead. The alien microbes are all dead. Now, this is a pretty far stretch. These little microbes are dead. I think they replaced his body. Right. <laughs> this is a facsimile. Well, he's saying that the, those, mi- those microbes shouldn't be dead from the shock. In fact, they should have. there should be way more of them, and they should be alive. Right. So it, but, this I mean, must be a copy. Must that's be a, a pretty copy. big logic jump. Like there, there could be like other reasons that we don't know, right? I mean, right. you can write anything in sci-fi, but to just logically jump to this is a f- copy it rips off his mask, and it's like an old man underneath. Oh, you crazy kids! If they went ahead and made this a two-parter, you could have had more of an investigation about it. You know, and it could. It, I think it would have been cool if, if even if there would have been just the one guy, kind of like Ataz, or the Wizard of Oz would have stepped out from behind the curtain, and there was one person in charge of this facility, or even a hologram interface, right? Right, right. Artificial life form or something. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, here we go. This is some southern. He's he's Connor Trenier is going going southern here on us with this little interaction. There's a couple of problems we need to discuss first. And the computer's just like, nope, just give me my money. Yep, pay me. Pay me. I'm done, pay me. <laughs> I'm afraid they're not up to Starfleet specs. And the subspace amplifier you repaired? We're picking up distortion on all the high band frequencies. Please place your compensation on the transport platform. We're not paying until we 
please place your conversation. What guarantee do I have that these duranium pins won't fly out the instant we jump to warp? You know what's funny is I think earlier of when uh, Trip climbs up into the duct, so he had to step up on Reed. So they should have shown that shot from the hallway where uh, he's stepping on his back. You know, like Kirk had to step on Spock's back when they were stuck in the jail cell. Yeah. And then uh, it showed, but then I, I thought, for some reason when I watched this, I thought of Trip having to put his hand down in the hole and then pick Reed up. That would right. be that would be tough. Like a dead, just from a dead pull from that position. You know, a, a, a adult male, the same same size as you, and pulling them up into that hole, that would be tough. Yeah. And they just did that. They just had to do it again. You know, like back, or Archer would have had to have done it for Reed again right there. Right, right. And it's not like you could just pull them up. you got to pull them to that little tiny hole. Uh-oh, here we go, Reed. Guinea pig. Go for it. Now, what if they knew it was him again, and they'd be like, okay, this is your first warning. Now, this is your second warning. And they, like, amp it up with an electric charge or something. We told you not to come back. Yeah, or like Paul said, you're so, you're lucky they didn't beam you into space. <laughs> you had one warning, warning one is back to your ship. Warning two is beaming into space. Right. Trip just makes a run for it. Yep. Sounds like you've got worse problems on your hands. I'll be getting out of here. See, now this makes me think of Alien because this is like they had these things in Alien where they they close like this. This iris. Yes. Yes. I love this. To Paul's non-logical solution. <laughs> just, just shoot it. Or kick it. Or hit it with a wrench. You know, that's like the, the new the new Scotty. That's his answer to things. Just hit it with a wrench. Now, everybody says there's a Cardassian in here. But I never see the Cardassian. I see something that... I know it's not. That looks like a Vaudoir. Right. But uh, that might be it. It's so dirty in here compared to everything else. Yeah. It's like, really? Everything else is so clean. You can't get your cleaning lady to come in here, too? Come on. Or cleaning man. Cleaning alien. Yeah, they're all, like, dusty or whatever. I don't see a Cardassian. I've tried to see one, and I've paused it, and I've looked, and I don't really see one. Yeah, I guess I just miss I just, it or something, but I've heard there's a Cardassian in here somewhere. Now, when they find Mayweather, this looks like it was so uncomfortable for Anthony Montgomery to be, like, laying there the way he was. He looks like he's so uncomfortable. I don't know. We got a clean one. Yeah. Their synaptic pathways have been reconfigured, integrated into the computer core. Incursion detected in primary data core. They bodies all hanging along here. Yeah, that did look. It looked like some uh, Voyager aliens. See, that looks like a Vodwar beside him. Is that the Cardassian beside him? Uh, no, that's not. See the that. See the. It looks like a Vodwar also on the neck. Yeah. See, look how Anthony Montgomery's having to lay. Yeah. Because he's a big guy. Like you said, he's a big guy, and that space doesn't look like it's big enough for him. Yeah. 
and what were they? <laughs> uh, that's what is that? <laughs> they pulled the tubes out. Just whatever. It's just bleeding whatever. everywhere now. Oh man. Yeah. Or what were they? It was red. It looked like it was going into him rather than coming out. Just never mind. We'll Flox will fix it when we get there. Hopefully, it wasn't an artery that Archer just pulled out of his arm. Yeah, no kidding. It's okay, Travis. We're taking you home. Right here. Taste of Armageddon from the original series. That's what it looked like. Okay. When uh, Spock said it's right here behind this wall, I think that I think it was Taste of Armageddon. That's where the computer, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm thinking of the. Yeah, no, the I know wall. what you're talking about. Yep, yep. Or maybe I'm. Maybe there was another one where they had to shoot a hole in the wall too <laughs> to get to the computer behind the wall. Well, it's a good thing they got him back in time. Yes. But there's a lot of bodies in there, which means that, they, you know, they've helped a lot of people. and you know. Yeah. They said that they couldn't rescue any of the others because their their minds or their brains were so, like, degraded or something like that, or they were they were too much in the system to, to take them out of the system. And Captain Kaboom gets to do what he likes to do best. Blow stuff up. It did some heavy damage, sir. Power levels are dropping. But the plasma hasn't ignited the O2 conduits yet. It needs to reach 3,000 degrees, Malcolm. Be patient. Yes, sir. It's a good thing that the whole station blowing up didn't blow up the ship along with it, eh? Right, because they're in the middle of it. Or at least they're surrounded by it. Right, right. Functions are coming back online. Engines? Impulse and thrusters. One of those arms is still locked Boy, onto the hull. These humans, I tell you what, they fix their ship for a few liters of plasma and then they go and blow the place up. I mean, of Buyer course beware. they did. Yeah, of course they did try to uh, kidnap one of the crew, but still, my goodness, this is so. So. Oh, man, unthankful. <laughs> Who's piloting the ship? Did Travis go back to the pilot seat? No, no, no. He went to the sick bay. Okay. Because I was about to say, if he does, I mean, we already think Travis is tough, but that would be really tough. That's okay, Captain. I can go fly the ship still, too. It, it's so funny. It bothers me a little bit that they're actually damaging the ship since it was so perfectly repaired. <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of bothers me that it's being damaged again a little bit. Like, there's still a claw holding on to the front of the ship. Oh, it just <laughs> fell off. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> and they blew up the truck stop. You look pretty good for a dead guy. For now. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Much better, sir. You think you can buy those blue undershirts and blue underwear? Uh. The doctor told me what happened. Sure. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> We're Probably Haynes. I don't know why. Thinking Haynes. Sponsored by Haynes. Yeah, I was about to say that's the commercial after the commercial break. Every time they're seen, their underwear, they're seeing their underwear. 
you have to be watching. That's what this this section of Enterprise is sponsored by Haynes Underwear. Why would it do that? The cerebral cortex is the most sophisticated computer known to exist. What about all those other people? According to Paul. And they were using brains for computer power. I just don't, so I guess I just don't understand the motivation of the thing at the end. So they're they're fixing these ships just to steal a person to just run the ship to just make more repairs for other ships that come by to just steal more people. Like it's just this this cycle. So there's got to be some other kind of motivation for it. It's almost Borgish, if you think about it. Like they're adding them to the collective kind of a thing. They're adding them to the compute the processing to make their processing power more powerful but they also probably have to replace you know the some of the aliens that may die after you know just being there they have to replace them but my motive it what i'm thinking is is this is a prelude to invasion that's like this twilight zone ending yes spooky ending they're gonna be back but we don't see them again unfortunately oh well and the credits roll very good. Yep. Oh man, I love Dead Stop. This is this is a great episode. Yeah, me too. I like it a lot. Yep. My, my in my head canon, they it's a prelude to invasion. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm going with. That works okay. for me. I think I can dig with that. I can work with that because they're able to get all the scans that they want to from the different types of species. They probably, in my mind, they're not taking any of the same species. They always get a different species. But I guess mm-hmm. they got—they have to take whatever they can get, maybe. Right, right. But but yeah, it would help them to determine what type of people are in this area, right? So right, and then along the way, they can also help us with our computing power. <laughs> Excellent. Very good, very good. So dead stop is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek FM, Standard Orbit. And he was supposed to be a teenager, right? He was because yeah. he looked he, well. He looked like all teenagers do on television, about thirty years old. But <laughs> really, you didn't think he looked younger than that? Uh, I mean, I'm thirty now, and I still don't look that old. So, but maybe that's just me. It's all in the genes. It, 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 man, you, you, you know, you, you can't help it, right? When you're when you're when you're that good looking, Zach, you just got to deal with it. Warp five. I just think that's awesome that that in this you know non-violent way he's like stop it i'm inflating my face and they just kind of disappear i think that's awesome oh, it's this bizarre defense mechanism that his species has like had like it just makes you think okay so what type of what type of animals were chasing them down and hunting them that they needed this as a defense mechanism right melodic treks and really the only way i could find out where the next, you know, who was scoring the next movie was looking in the weekend newspaper uh, ads, you know, each weekend for when a new film was coming out, and just looking down the line and saying, oh, they're they're doing that film, they're doing that film, they're doing that film, and it got to a point over the years I just started buying the scores uh, before even seeing the film because I started realizing it was the music that I loved more than the actual film. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they're published. And while you're there, please leave us a star rating and written review. 
And if you're an Apple user, we've got you covered. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file or grab the RSS link from our website. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. So let us know what you think about Dead Stop. What is your thoughts? Why do you think those aliens are actually... Oh, I assume they're aliens. Why have they set up this truck stop in space to steal people? Like, what do you what do you think it is? If you want to talk to us, you can find us in the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, in the search field on Facebook and join in all the fun. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. And if you'd like to send us a voice transmission, you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and record your message, and Brandon Shea will add it to a future episode. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send a show and select Warp 5, and that comes right to us. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. So for just as little as a dollar a month, you can help us out a lot. But if you give us, if you're looking at $5 a month subscription, you can get access to the patron zone. And Brandon is the manager of the patron zone, and he's getting a lot of early access content given to him to upload it. Isn't that right, Brandon? Yeah, you bet. So there's quite a few shows on the network that are able to get their episodes out a little bit early. And, you know, because we do the every other week thing here with Warp 5, there's times when I've had a, you know, Warp 5 episode up there like 10 days earlier or whatever because we only release every other Friday, but we record both of them in one night. So if it's a quick and easy edit, sometimes I just get it up on Patreon Zone 10 days early for you if I can. Very good. Yes, and you can visit the website, p- patreon.com slash trekfm, to get all the details. You can find out what level of contribution you feel comfortable with to help us keep bringing this great Trek content coming to you. At this time, I always like to thank our co-associate producers, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Oser, and Mark Flessa. He is actually a new associate producer. So thank you so much, all of you, for supporting Warp 5 and the network through patreon.com. Thank also you. Like to, yes. Thank you, Tony Robinson, for creating our very cool show art. And Brandon Shea, thank you so much for editing and publishing Warp 5. You're welcome. So, Brandon, if our listeners would like to send you an, a contact or something about maybe an idea for a future show of Warp 5 or just talk about maybe Dead Stop here, how could they contact you? You can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Metella. And every once in a while, I poke my head up in the Babel Conference. Uh, you can find me elsewhere on the network. I should have about... Because, again, we're recording this so early. I think I have one more episode of Melodic Treks coming out, and then that'll be all done. And uh, then you can also find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network with a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, which is all about Alfred Hitchcock. And I do that with my friends... Chris and Tom and based on when this is dropping I guess I can say this as well I'm also the host of our brand new Star Trek Discovery podcast called The Edge and uh, that's that's our discussion and I know we don't have any episodes to watch yet but they'll be out soon and and uh, we're having a lot of fun over there with that podcast so uh, take it take a listen to that podcast as well because it's fun we like it it's great very good, very good. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on the Babel Conference, the Trek FM listeners page on Facebook. 
So boomers, thank you so much for listening and join us again for next time. Or no, <laughs> Sorry about that. And boomers, thank you so much for listening and joining us again next time for another episode of Warp 5. <laughs>